0: to me.
1: I'm mischievous Mark Gianacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Fantasy 15,
2: and all of the annuals, which, Dan, they
1: still don't count.
2: And I'm Dapper Dan Gavasson I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which I say definitely count. And I own every issue of Spider-Gwen, including all of the miniseries. But for me, Amazing Fantasy 15 will always... I mean maybe not always. I hope not always, but that's purely a hope built on a fantasy because Amazing Fantasy Fifteen remains a fantasy. That's that's quite a mouthful, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, whatever we're calling her, Ghost Spider, comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this special Amazing Friends episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to
1: swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present and future, as well as all the other Spider-Verse characters, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review to help spread the word about our show.
2: Yeah, this podcast exists because of the support of our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep our podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon. Now, Mark, I normally say keep our small podcast going, but this week we had a surprise. Our podcast was brought up on a British game show uh, called The Chase and was included in one of the questions, and uh, that blew my mind. So the show is making international splashes. <laughs> and uh you never know where it's gonna quite pop up. Um I'm sure we can get Rick to edit in a clip of it here.
0: <laughs> Amazing spider
2: talk is a podcast about which superhero Correct. Mark, what was your response to uh to seeing
1: this clip? I mean, you know, obviously We are just international superstars, Dan. So, you know, sex icons, I would say. It comes with the territory. I mean, you know, we can talk about our sexiness another time. Hey, it's just another part of this very weird yet wonderful journey we've been on the, these past almost 11 years
2: now, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is a weird, weird place. So uh, keeping the weirdness alive, Mark, what are we doing on this episode? Well, today on the show, we are fortunate to be
1: joined by writer Melissa Flores, who is the writer of the Spider-Gwen Smash miniseries, and she is also the longtime writer on the Power Rangers TV shows and Boom's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic. Dan and I have been praising this new Spider-Gwen series in In our substack, amazing spider.substack.com for quite some time now. And I thought it'd be great to reach out and talk to Melissa about working on the character of Spider Gwen in a limited fashion, including the upcoming giant size Spider Gwen issue, uh which is going to drop in early March. Dan, there were uh, some nature nature related reasons why you couldn't join us on this on this interview segment. Do you want to talk a little bit about them or 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 what? I mean it Uh, impacts our interview itself too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, Melissa also lives in L.A., and if anybody's turned on the news this week, they've maybe seen that L.A. is undergoing, or California is undergoing, the the torrential downpour of an atmospheric river. We are having buckets and buckets of water, many numerous buckets of water being dumped on us. Things are flooding. I, I know, like, just driving my son to daycare the other day, because I'm still working this week, I was afraid that my car was going to quickly become useless as a car and more useful as a boat you know my wife had to leave town a little bit early this week because she was flying out of town and she didn't want to get stranded stranded on the west coast i got i would say stuck with daddy dude that's not true fortunate enough to spend more time with my my son that meant i i could not join you on this scheduled interview i'm sure it's going to be an absolute blast and that you upheld your end of the of the deal quite well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the interview?
1: Just just kind of uh, dovetailing with the the atmospheric river or whatever you called it. Obviously, uh, uh, Melissa, who's who's based out on the West Coast, there may be some rain in the background of, of her conversation. And look, like it's it wouldn't be a Spider Gwen interview. Or creator interview, if you will, if there weren't some technical uh, issues for our editors to overcome. So sorry, Rick, but you know, kind of brought me back, at least in terms of the sound, to our initial uh, interview with Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez back when Edge of Spider Verse number two came out in 2014, or and you know, for, for the or 2015, excuse me. I think you what you had to edit out. A dog barking, uh, numerous f bombs, uh, just just a lot of a lot of weird atmospheric
2: flooding of sound, if you will. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. On that note of Edge of Spider Verse 2, I think the reason we were so keen to talk to. Melissa, for a number of reasons, is I feel like this miniseries is Spider Gwen Smash, particularly of all the Spider Gwen miniseries and runs that have happened after Latour and Rodriguez's book closed. To me, this is the closest that this title has gotten back to the spirit of what made it special, and I think that's worth noting, especially as Spider Gwen becomes uh, you know a larger force in pop culture and maybe gets more homogenized that somewhere we can still see what made the character initially so appealing to audiences and so uh that's what made me excited about hearing more from her on
1: that note we should hear from her so let's let's take it
2: to that stormy
1: night very recently and hear our interview with melissa flores well
2: now it's me one of our amazing spider friends The kind of guy I go to other friends who recommend Find out about the things they created You'll love them so much that you wish you dated But you're just friends, they're an amazing friend A friend, a friend, a friend They're an amazing friend
1: so we we are being joined here by uh, Melissa Flores, who is a writer and producer and is currently writing the Spider-Gwen Smash miniseries. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, you know, some of your other credits include you've been affiliated with the Power Rangers in various forms for 10 years. You have the independent creator series, uh, Dead Lucky for Image Comics. We are a, a Spider-Man slash Spider-Verse adjacent podcast. So we're going to ask you some questions about Spider-Gwen. And obviously your background in comics here, so thank you so much for for coming
0: aboard. I mean, I talk about Power Rangers entirely too much, so <laughs> well, we do. So this will be a nice change of pace. Not that I don't love Power Rangers, but but I do talk <laughs> a lot about
1: Power Rangers. I mean, look, why don't we start though with with the very present here, which is. Your Spider Gwen Smash series. I mean, before we get into some of your background here, can can you just walk us through how uh, Spider Gwen Smash came about, and and you know just how you how you got attached to this series here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I as a comic book writer, I have to say I've been incredibly lucky. I've loved comics since, believe it or not, the Injustice video game that came out. That's how I actually got into comics because when I was a kid, I was obviously one a girl and two, you know, my dad is an immigrant, so. He worked very hard, but there wasn't a lot of time for comic books and that sort of thing. And so when I got into comics was and I, I threw video games, I started watching um, DC's Injustice or playing the video game. And it came, the deluxe edition came with like the first issue of that series by Tom Taylor. Um, this is gonna be a very long way around the question that you're asking, but I promise, I, well, I promise I'll get there. Anyways, I read that real, I didn't realize, and this is how like new I was to comics. At the time I was like a kid, I was like, wait, where's the rest of it? This isn't the whole story. <laughs> And so then I that's how I ended up finding year one, year two, reading those, and kind of caught of that kind of kicked off like me reading comics. But I didn't really learn the craft until I started working on Power Rangers. And I was the development executive for Power Rangers and I worked very closely with Boom Studios for Mmorphine Power Rangers. Doing that, I got to know the writers. I got to know the process really, really well. And so when I started actually writing professionally, um I started working on the Dead Lucky with Kyle Higgins for the Massiverse. An image and through that, I also got Mighty Morphin Power Rangers through uh, Boom Studios, who had read The Dead Lucky and liked it. And so it just so happened that, you know, in every one of these projects, my previous work had kind of gotten somebody's attention. And that's the same thing that happened with Marvel. I, uh, Sarah Burnton, the incredible editor, saw my work on Dead Lucky and Power Rangers and Radiant Pink and offered me a spot in Women of Marvel last year. And so I got to do an incredible America and Kate Bishop story. It was a lot of fun through that. Ellie Pyle, who's another amazing editor that's on the Spider-Man team, saw that and offered me an Echo uh, miniseries for the Infinity app. And so I did that with her and Mr. Daniels, who is also an incredible editor there. And they must have really liked the experience because then they offered me spider Quan Smash it was one of those things where like, here's the idea that we're thinking about. Like we just, it was, it was one of those like, Hey, we just want a story about Gwen in her home dimension. And, and so I kind of just threw them uh, a couple pitches and that was the one that I really wanted to do. And thankfully that's the one they like.
1: That's awesome. So then it was that it was just, and go in your kind of process of, of finding comics and, and these different, you know, characters and universes. I mean, did did, did you cross the, the Spider-Verse at all or anything?
0: I've always, like, the original run was always so incredible to me. I was one of those people that it meant a lot to, because, you know, I, I loved Peter Parker. When I was a kid, I was always so desperate for um, any kind of representation that I felt I could cling on to when it came to, to superheroes because I was, um, an introvert, still am very much an introvert. I was kind of a socially awkward kind of little kid. I lived in books and movies and video games and television series. Like those were the worlds where I felt like I, I understood and people understood me. For me, especially to see, um, there was something really special back when Stacey, it was hard to explain, like the story and, uh, and how she came about. It wasn't Peter's story. It was its own story, but it was still a spider person. And mm. at the time, it just felt very new, you know. It just felt very different in that she was meant to be her own character living in her own world. It wasn't meant to be just a jump off of Peter's story. Like, it was her mm. own story. And it felt different enough, I think, it's special enough for me that I really connected with it, especially in this... Um, And I think you see it a lot in the movie Into the Spider-Verse but like I think there's a reason why a lot of LGBTQ people myself included glom on to Spider-Gwen because this whole idea and and superheroes in general you know the whole idea of of secret identities and not being able to be who you truly are and people not understanding you or hating you just for who you are. It's a very um, with her you see a lot of those themes and um, and being somebody uh, who's you know Latina uh, female of queer, there's a lot of otherness to me. And I got very used to finding little things and characters that I was like, that I could relate to. And because um, the um at the time, and even now, like it's hard to find a Latina queer superhero. You know, like there's a lot of boxes for me to check if I want somebody that's like me. <laughs> you know, so, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: And so I think Gwen just came in a very special time. And, and I think it's the same for a lot of people. Even now, when I go into my comic book store, there's a little girl um, who gets so excited to see me because she's a huge Spider Gwen fan, and um, and so I sign every book every time it comes out. She's it's there waiting for me for uh, for me to sign, and she was actually there waiting for me to talk to me. It was really sweet.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Before we 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 started recording, you had you had mentioned how how much you love to talk about Power Rangers. So I did, I did want to throw <laughs> a question at you this way. Yeah, you know, just just in terms of working within kind of the the you know these franchises, these established IPs, and now that you're working for Marvel, I'm I'm curious how your work with Power Rangers is kind of informed some of the work you're doing for Marvel in terms of working with these established characters that have, you know, legacies, fan bases, you know, every, you know, probably crazy people who ask you 900 million granular questions about it. So how has how that kind of worked into what you've been doing for Marvel here?
0: You know, I, I I respect lore quite a bit. I always have. And I think I came from a really unique situation because I was the lore master of Power Rangers. So for years, that was my job. I would read these books and be like, nope, that's not actually accurate. This That can't happen this way because this happened <laughs> In that way, it was a lot of pressure because even I would get it wrong. And that's 20 years of Power Rangers and a lot of seasons uh, to keep in your head. And even now, I'm writing the books and I feel like I get it wrong sometimes. But it made me respect the fans. I remember there was one Comic-Con where uh, they were brainstorming. The marketing team was brainstorming different things to uh, to do. And one of them was like, Melissa, what if we did like a trivia t- contest? It's you against a fan. I'm like, Nope, they'll win. They'll win every time. <laughs> like it's not even a fair contest they will know and I won't and it's not because I don't love the brand but they they live and breathe it like it's something yeah. that you look at and think about every single day and me for me it's a job like i love power rangers i have so much power ranger stuff i'm like i've got a pinster sitting here on my desk like i <laughs> i love it but at the end of, but i had to disconnect from it at the end of the day because otherwise i would be living my job and and so it it's, it's a different kind of experience and and so when I started writing Power Rangers, I came f- with the kind of same mentality. You have the same producer mentality. And so I think it gives me kind of a different experience because I've been on the other side where I've had to give the ridiculous note or I've had to give the note that makes no sense to a writer that just comes off very silly. And and there's a reason we're giving it, but I understand that like, as you're a writer and you're getting this note, you're like, really? So I I, I take those much easier, I think. And, um, and I'm much... Uh, And I'm much more open to that kind of collaboration. Not that other writers aren't. But so when I got, um, but I I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Power Rangers. And so when I first started getting these Marvel titles, I loved Marvel, but I I freely admit there's like 40 something titles every, like I, there's no way I can keep up with everything that's going on. And so every time I get a character, um, even if I feel like I know the character, I will read so much like even just for that eight-page Woman in Marvel story with America and Kate, I read like 200 and something pages of books just so I knew exactly where they were and what was going on, Um, because I really want to try and inform the story and and push it forward if I can. And and so the same thing kind of happened with Gwen, because she's got a lot of miniseries that came before me. I really want to respect, one, I want to respect the people that love these characters. I don't want to come on the thing and be like, okay, it's my show now, bitches. Like, I'm. That's not. <laughs> these aren't my characters. You know, I, I'm. 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 Get to play in the sandbox, and I get that. It's an incredible honor for me. But these aren't. These don't belong to me. They belong to Marvel, and in a sense, they also belong to the fans. Like, I just get the incredible honor of giving them a new adventure to go through. But I am really careful. I'm going to tell my story, and I'm going to tell it as well as I can tell it. But I'm. I'm not out there trying to. um piss anybody off i i want to do the best story i can the best story that i'm capable of doing but but i very much like to play by the rules um that doesn't mean i, I don't try and break them every once in a while or try to you know insert my own ideas about the character but but i respect what a fan because i remember what it's like for me as a power ranger fan if you if you do something and you i don't agree with it i get mad and everybody's going to have a different opinion you're never going to please everybody 100 of the time god knows i know that but I want people to at least feel the love of the characters so that even if they don't necessarily agree with the story I'm telling, maybe they'll at least understand that it comes from a place of love and not from a, I know better than you kind of place. It's more just, Hey, this is where I feel like I want to take the character, not this is what I want to do and suck it.
1: So so then how does that experience for you as a creator contrast with, working on the dead lucky, which is a, you know, creator owned indep- independent series. I mean, like, is that just like a, a whole different kind of liberation or, 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 you know, how do you approach that? I guess.
0: I guess and no. in a way it's harder for creator owned because you're creating your own world. There's nothing to go back to and mm. look at. I'm very lucky that Kyle Higgins is a store consultant on dead lucky. So at the very beginning, he was, he was much more involved in helping me world build and help me tell the story. And so, The last few issues, he hasn't really done much, but just having him there as a resource and talking him through um, has been really helpful. There's no, like I have an incredible editor named Michael and and they do incredible, they give me, he gives me incredible notes. Uh, There's no license. I am the licensor, right? There's no licensor telling me this isn't right. We want to do it this way. Like I am that person. And, And that is both incredibly freeing and incredibly terrifying because I like having roles, <laughs> so, but having to set them my own, it, it's a different kind of experience. But I honestly love them both. I love working in, with licensors and, and telling their stories in really fun ways. I'm doing another one for Oni Press right now called The Nacelle with Nacelle. We're bringing back Roboforce and Biker Mike's from Mars and a bunch of other stuff. It's always fun to look at these old, these these characters and reimagine them in a way that still feel like who they are but are told in a slightly different way. And the Dead Lucky, you know, once we got into our groove, I think it's a really beautiful series. Um, but it was definitely a different experience. And, and I'm working on some other creator-owned stuff, and it's harder for me, for sure. But I, I do as much as I can. I just try to pretend that that, <laughs> that it all existed before, even if I'm making it all up.
1: With Spider-Gwen, I mean, you you alluded to it a few minutes ago, The the, you know, just the sheer amount of content that exists with this character, even just over the last 10 years or so. What I've always found kind of unique to to Spider Woman Gwen Stacy is just that you know especially for like the first I don't know like five or six years it felt like you know a lot of the character was associated with just a very small number of creators you mm-hmm. know specifically Jason Latour Robbie Rodriguez you know now that you're you know one of the newer creators to tackle the character I mean do you do you feel like any obligation to kind of honor those initial stylings and storytelling devices of those creators or are you just like I mean I know you you said you know already that you're not like, this is my world now, but like at the same time, do you just, do you, do you, do you look back and feel like, well, I, I gotta, I gotta throw a, a nod to that. Or do you just say, uh, that's not for me. I'm going to just take it where I need to take it.
0: No, no. For me, uh, those original runs are very special to me. Even the stuff that's come through recently, the, the, the Mary Jane Carnage stuff, the the Sue Storm stuff, like there's little nods to all those little bits in in the book because I, I respect those runs. I mean, it's, she has such, she's such an interesting uh, runway and in where she's been and where she's going. And I think for me, I was very lucky in that I got to keep her in earth 65. I didn't have to worry about all the other dimensions. Literally the point was, was character development. And so I got to have these beautiful moments with her father and I got to have these relationship issues with Mary Jane and have her forge new relationships with Dazzler and Black Widow and for me it was um keeping all of those runs in mind but also being able to tell a much more a much more uh, insular story that is about her helping Dazzler who's getting stalked and when you break it down like that it becomes much easier to try and get back to who the character was while still adding my own little bits of you know Gwenness to it and how I see the character but I was definitely always very affected by everybody that came before me. And you know I, I do that with my Mighty Morphin Power just run too. Like writing isn't easy. And so I, I definitely, I never want to throw anything away. I always want to try if I can to, intent, you know, sometimes unintentionally I might accidentally do something, but I always really try to honor everybody that wrote before me because those are important people, especially, especially the OGs. I'm going to, follow
1: up on something you just said about who who is spider going to you because it's 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 interesting you know when when the character was first put forward you know it it it, it did feel kind of a bit of like a what if story you know like yeah. like not even just like what if what if gwen stacy had lived but also what if gwen stacy lived and becomes by you know uh spider woman it feels like in more recent years you know the character has kind of been more of like a, this 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 every person character from your standpoint, who who is earth 65 Gwen? How how would you identify her or or are you still figuring that out?
0: No, I think, I think she's a person at this point. I think she doesn't know who she is. And, And that's what I'm playing with her. I think when we started her, she was, she was very much this angsty, angst filled punk who, you know, was in a rock band and had this really crazy, terrible thing happen to her. And all of a sudden everything she thought she knew just got ripped away from her. And, I don't know if she's ever really had a second to breathe and ever had a second to really feel like she could understand who she is because she's not who she was. She's not that angsty goth punk person anymore because she's experienced so much from that, that has like opened up her world, I literally, you know, sent her to different dimensions. You know, she's been to jail. Like, they're, the teen angsty point of, of Gwen is over now. She's a woman. I don't think she's ever had a chance to sit down and understand what that means in terms of Earth sixty-five. Because I think in her mind, if she just goes back to being that drummer in the band, hmm. then that's that's good. Right. Because that tells her she has not like everything's the way it used to be. It's cool. Right. But you can't do that. You can't go back. (laughs) You can't. You've changed. Mary Jane has changed. The world has changed. And that's kind of what this run is, is a little bit, or this uh, miniseries is about. It's, it's about her realizing that her home doesn't feel like home and her making little tiny steps to, Make it that way to to make her feel a little more comfortable in the world that she is supposed to call her home dimension, and she hasn't really been there very much in the past few mini-series. And so I kind of love this idea that she's literally like, and I play with that a little bit in the Dead Lucky too, where you you come home to a place expecting it to be the same and it's not, and now you have you're the one that has to change. You're the one that has to understand. Hey, I'm not the girl in the the girl in the band, I'm, I'm ghost spider. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. that's never gonna change. That's who I am. And even if I gave up the ghost spider powers tomorrow, that doesn't change what they made me. And, and you see that development with her, you see it with Mary Jane, even with Gloria a little bit where they're just like, okay, we can't just pretend that these last few years didn't exist if we're going to stay together, if we're going to stay friends, if we're going to work this out, we're going to have to figure out a new way to do this. We can't just keep complaining that you're running off and of being ghost spider. Like we have to figure this out. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of time to do that because they're on tour and Hulk keeps smashing right, things. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> and she's, meeting, is she's meeting new people, yeah.
1: <laughs> you referenced earlier the 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 Into the Spider-Verse movie. So I, I, I you know, especially when it comes to you know, Gwen Stacy with that. I mean, like, obviously as popular as she was in the comics, you know, these movies have kind of like elevated her to a whole new realm in terms of, you know, pop culture and whatnot. So like, you know, as a creator, does that factor into how you're approaching things in the comics? Does it add pressure to you? Just this popularity of the character outside of the comics? I mean, or again, do you just kind of like block that out and and do what you got to do within the the realm of, the, the 24 pages you got that were 22 pages, whatever it is these days that you get to write it in.
0: I definitely, I mean, when I, when I first got the news I was doing Spider-Gwen was when it was still in theater. So I went and watched it that night. And I just remember um, Haley's it's is just such an incredible voice actor. Like she brings, she inhabits that role so well and that performance that, um, and the animation is so beautiful. I think they bring a depth to the character in a different way that I think enhances what's already in the books. But it's a different character. She, she's lived a different life and she's had different experiences. So as much as I loved that character, I don't associate that character with the character in the books. It's almost like um, the America Chavez in the MCU is not the America Chavez that exists in the book. They're very different. They have very different experiences. They're very different ages. They it just, it's a very different character. And so the one thing that, was in, that, I, that informed was her love of music. Like, I really thought they did that beautifully, really like honing in on how music can save you and ground you and keep you sane. And I took that part of her and definitely put that in this book.
1: I was just about to ask you, the music, I mean, like it's such a pronounced element through these first few issues of the series. So yeah, can you just walk us through that choice a bit? I mean, I mean, do you have a musical background? I, I, I'm, I'm always kind of curious by those who, who write so pronounced about music.
0: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I used to. I used to sing. I don't sing anymore. i lost my voice, I think, which is... If you don't... It's an instrument. If you don't practice it, you don't, you don't use it. And, uh, and I used to have a, quite a bit of a range, and I used to play guitar, and there was a lot... Like, music was a huge, huge part of my life, and I just... It was a choice not to dive deeper into it than I did. And I think a part of me mourns that, because it still informs everything I do. Like, every story I write has a playlist attached to it. But every time I get a new project, I put together a playlist. And that's what I listen to when I write, just to get my head in the right space for whatever story I'm creating. And for her, I feel like that really allowed me to relate to the character because beats and the like the drummer, it's the soul of the song, right? It's the... It's what keeps everything else moving on time, Mm -hmm. on beat. And if you have a rocky drummer and they're not good at what they do, the whole band isn't stable. And right now, she's an amazing drummer, but she's not a good drummer for the band, if that makes sense, because they can't count on her. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah.
1: there was even that one scene where it was like, uh, we'll we'll just we'll just do a sound check without the drums. Like you know, it's like yeah. okay, sure, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and, and that's where I kind of connected with it, and I got to do some lyrics. I'm not saying I'm like an amazing lyricist or anything, but <laughs> the lyrics very much play into what's happening in every story. And so I had a lot of fun with that, and I think it, I got to express my, my love of music through Glenn, and it was one of the things I feel like really connected me to her. And, and
1: dazzler too. In terms of the, you know, the, the, the alt timeline or, or dimension or, you know, whatever, whatever, however you want to term it. I mean, this, this working within an alternative universe like this, is that, you know, a freeing, a freeing element for you, or is it something more restrictive because, you know, you have these, these established characters, but, you know, you, you, in some instances, you could take them in these very wild directions and you can bring in someone like Dazzler and and do something different than, you know, what the quote main universe Dazzler is. But then, you know, there's also this element of like, well, the fans accept it because it's it, if it's too different, they they may not. I mean, so so how does that work for you in terms of doing a, a series like this?
0: You know, it's so interesting because um, I was actually I purposely did not read. For Dazzler, for Lila, for Rick, I did not read stuff recent stuff because I remembered the characters, I remember who they were, but I I was told and I, I was reading people like these alt versions, they want them to feel different. So I I don't think I went too far like off the out of the lines, but I definitely did not. I purposely did not like they're not informed by these experiences, so I need to not pay so much attention to them. But I remember even just like reading the initial like feedback. I did really try to avoid feedback because I know like sometimes it's it's a double-edged sword, but I remember what I being like they're not too different. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying so hard. But I think that one of the, that's one of the freedoms of Earth 65. I think people look forward to these different versions. And actually they get they don't get mad if they're too different. They get mad if they're too similar. Cause I think they like having that alt versions. And that was something that was I was pushed to um, pushed uh, gently by my editors too, where they're like, "Hey, you can do more. You can change things differently." I think I finally started to get the hang of it, honestly, um, with Orlando Octavius and the giant-sized spider one. I have re- I really love him, <laughs> and so. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those new characters—it was—it was nice because, like I said, I read everything for every character. So, like, God help me if I ever get an Avengers script, I'll like die.
1: Or X-Men. I I am yeah. always intimidated by X-Men. It's like what, what is I can't even
0: keep up. I don't understand that. Like I understand why these amazing writers have been on these books for so long because I cannot imagine having the knowledge in your head to come up like right. I, it's it's terrifying. So for me, it was freeing to be having these alt characters in these new universe because I can invent their story. And it was much more quieter and homeier and and uh and it's just these kids in London who started a band and just happen to be mutants. And so right, it was right. just a
1: lot of fun. <laughs> Now, Marvel, I mean, to that note, Marvel recently announced that Gwen would be joining, I guess, you know, the 616 universe yeah. for good following this. So, so like, did did you know about this going into this project? And and, you know, is is that kind of yeah, you know, without spoiling anything is that kind of what has kind of informed this idea of Gwen expressing that she feels like she doesn't fit into this universe anymore or you know again I, I don't want you to reveal too too much but I'm curious how these things are intertwined in any kind of way
0: uh, you know I did not know that until it was um until it was announced so but that's that's the reality of this this world right of uh, you know, these characters don't belong to you. They belong to Marvel, and, and Marvel ultimately totally gets to decide what's best for them. But I think for me, I I knew I was doing a miniseries, and I got the incredible opportunity to do the one shot as well to be able to tie up those those loose ends. And for me, that was all I wanted. And for me, the goal is continually like, even if she leaves Earth sixty five, I want to make people mad that she left it. Like, I want to eventually. Um, You know, Stephanie Smash is gonna do an amazing job with with the run. I'm very excited to read it and I want to see what she does with with Gwen. But I also want people to kind of miss Earth 65 a little bit. I want there to be new opportunities that um, hopefully new authors down the line will want to come back to and kind of open up that world a little bit and so that we're you know, we seed it with characters that people are gonna want to eventually come back and play with. That was my goal. I want to I'm hoping that this story will give her enough of a bit of a closure, especially with her relationship with Mary Jane, that will allow her to feel like she can move on to 616. But truly really, that's up to Stephanie. Um, and I respect that process and I, and I'm excited to see what she does with it. I, again, these are, these are licensed books, so I'm just excited every time I get to do something. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. With that in mind, I mean, do you feel that
1: like there is anything that in, in kind of, Moving Gwen out of her own pocket universe into the quote-unquote main one—does that? Do you feel like that? Does that diminish the uniqueness of the character at all? I mean, is it kind of? I mean, how do, do you do you think about that at all, or anyway, or is it just like? I mean, you know, it's it's all about how the creator.
0: I mean, again, it's Marvel's character, and and they they do what they want to do with it Um, they probably have their own reasons for wanting to move her to 616 and so who am I to say what's better and what's worse Um, as a fan it made me a little sad to see it because again I had my goal had always been to you know I was I was I was lucky and excited that I got to stay in 65 and develop that world and change it up a little bit and so it it did bum me out a little bit that she was going to leave it after I had done all this work (laughs) to um, to make it feel a little bigger but I don't know what they have planned. Like, they might have something really cool for her. The only thing that would probably make me really sad is if they blew up Earth-65 when she Right, left. right. <laughs> like, my babies! Yeah, but, right? Um, but, I mean, who am I to say? Truly, truly. Like, I can say as a fan that, yeah, it bummed me out. But I think Stephanie Smash is an amazing writer. And, and I'm sure that they have a really cool story that they're going to take her on. Do I want to see them eventually bring her back to Earth-65? Absolutely. And I hope they do.
1: I know earlier you 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 talked about kind of how you related to to Gwen. I mean, is there anyone else from the the Spider-verse if you will that you you're you're itching to take a take a crack at as a creator? <sighs>
0: Yes, but I don't know if I can say. <laughs> oh, Okay,
1: <laughs> I was just saying, do you want to do like hand signals or something, or no, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we ask this question or or a variation of this question to to everyone who who comes on our show. This is this is your turn to be put on on the spot, uh, if you will. So, how does it feel for you to be one of the the small number of creators to tell stories with the Spider Verse and its characters?
0: It's an incredible honor. I never thought I'd be here. I never ever thought I'd be here. I mean, I was at LA Comic-Con and I got to sit on the stage with, you know, <laughs> with Dan Slott and like an incredible, like every single person that I was sitting with was a legend and here am I with my little miniseries and I just felt so small. but <laughs> <I was laughs> so honored to be there with Zig and with all these incredible creators who are literally are like royalty to me. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. I don't. I think it is a privilege. I make it my mission to make every experience I have working with Marvel, hopefully a good one so that I, you know, eventually hopefully can do something else. Maybe if I've done nothing else, uh, if I do nothing else, I got to write America Chavez who, you know, as a queer Latina, it, it's, it's a bucket list. And, and I remember when I was doing that, I'm like the only other person that I could think of beyond her and Kate Bishop, but I would like, I would die if I never got to write this character was Gwen Stacy. And I got to write Gwen Stacy. So yeah. If I do nothing else with Marvel, I will be happy uh, and honored that I got to do these, and I just hope that the readers enjoy the enjoy the run and enjoy the mini Like I just uh, I just finished doing lettering notes for issue four. And I got a little worked up because it was it was so special to me, like to be able to do a print run for Marvel like that. Never thought it would happen. I I'm excited like ecstatic to be able to have done it. I'm greedy. I want more, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be happy with, uh, with what I've done.
1: Before we let you go. Uh, I just want to give you opportunities or any projects or social media or anything you want to plug, you know, where can people find you or not find you if you don't want to be found, but what, what's, 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 uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you or, or, or see what you're do- working on.
0: Yeah. I'm on Twitter or X. I keep forgetting it's X now. I'm on <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, uh, uh, Misty underscore Flores. More active on Twitter, less active on Instagram. But I've just been busy. But that you can always find me there. I am currently working on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We have an event called the Darkest Hour, and it's the 30th anniversary right? It's a year-long event. It has been giving me so many gray hairs, but it's an incredible anniversary event that I'm really enjoying. And I'm also uh, working on The Dead Lucky, which. Uh, has had issue 11 just released. Issue 12 will be coming up soon. And again, it's my creator-owned. It's Massiverse, which is an entirely new superhero universe that I'm really excited to be a part of. Um, There's actually a Humble Bundle going on where you can get all like 15 trades for like 25 bucks if you want to check out something new. We, we say it's uh, superheroes with today's problems. My character, uh, the Dead Lucky, is a war veteran with PTSD who comes home to San Francisco and has to deal with the fact that her home has been privatized, and it's a lot of fun. And then I also am working with Oni Press on uh, the Nacelleverse, which is by um, Brian Belkweiss, who's an, incred- an incredible producer. He's doing uh, RoboForce, Spectrum Eyes from Mars, a bunch of different amazing uh, IPs that were great uh, back in the 90s and 80s and, and still are, but he's bringing them back and a them in a way, and I get to do that for the comics as well. So that's um, it's what I can talk about, but I'm really excited about all those. Um, every single one of them is, is different and unique in their own way. And obviously, you know, a giant-sized spider one, is gonna come up after Smash Fin finishes, and we get to p- basically pick up where we left off in the in the miniseries, and um, and kind of put a button on that story in a really fun, uh, fun, exciting way with some new characters and, and a lot of action.
1: Melissa, th- thank you so much for for taking the time out. You know, we Dan and I have both really been enjoying Spider Gwen Smash. We're really looking forward to seeing how it wraps up and seeing the giant size and and seeing what you do for for Marvel and elsewhere next. So, you know, thank you so much for just you know answering these questions and and being such a such a great guest.
0: No, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, Dan. Well, I I, I thought that was a really cool interview. I feel the way that Melissa. Identified with Gwen as a character and kind of like her her feeling of not belonging currently in this universe. I mean, it, you know, it not only is it kind of central to this miniseries right now, but I think it kind of speaks to larger themes with this character, and it's something that you know. Being written by a woman now is like, you know, I think is feels a little more genuine and sincere in how it's being presented than maybe previous iterations of the characters. So I thought that was uh, really, really a cool way to look at it. So I really appreciated her bringing that up.
2: Yeah. and that's what's so exciting about bringing new voices, you know, into the fold at Marvel it c- can really get you is like a new perspective that they can provide. And I think it's definitely elevated this book. i I know that, Immediately, those themes jumped out at me, uh, you know, and made this a title that was one that I was, you know, eager to pick up and read just because, like, there did seem to be a, a core central idea and thematic at play here, and not just like more team ups across the multiverse. This was a very personal story. And if it's the last one we get in Earth 65, I mean, frankly, I, I don't want to see Earth 65 go, but if it is, I'm glad it went out with a book that like it's clearly trying to say something about Gwen's character and the world that she is a part of. So thank you, Mark, for conducting that interview. And thank you for Melissa for for joining us and talking about her work on the Spider-Gwen comic. If you're not picking it up, go check out spider Gwen Smash. As of this recording, there's two issues out. I believe it runs for four issues and then wraps up before the title relaunches. I think you should be able to find them just about anywhere. And I don't think you'll be displeased.
1: All right. Well, with that said, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end, Dan. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of Amazing Spider Talk. And of course, an extra special thank you to Melissa Flores for coming to talk to us about Spider-Gwen Smash. Like Dan said, check out those latest issues wherever you get your comics.
2: Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews the same week the comics release. Exclusive artwork and a ton of other bonuses. Plus, thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. And an extended special thanks to our news contributors, Devin Coleman and John Casillo. Dan and I really want to increase all the awesome work
1: that we do in 2024, including even more interviews with modern creators like Melissa. So if you are already a patron or want to become one, please help us to meet our goals and make this a better podcast by considering supporting our show. Just go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and click on the big Patreon button to get started.
2: This podcast episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of the show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galecki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and spider Madge, And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to our amazing Spider-Talk Substack. This week, we're covering all of gang war in our Substack. And we're doing a discussion of the state of Mary Jane in Spider-Man comics. Ooh, boy, Mark. Controversy uh, ignited. That's amazing Spider.substack.com. So, Mark, until we're invited to join in on Taylor Swift's next world tour, what's our motto? With great podcasts, there must also
1: be Travis Kelsey. Wait, no, no, no. Must also come the amazing Spider Talk. Don't, Don't miss the next installment.